Hello, everyone. I'm Giulio Prisco, and for this episode of the Tuning Church podcast, I'm with Derek again. Hello, Derek. How are you? Hi. Um, yeah, doing well. Um, good times and happy to be how here. Things, uh, how are things in sunny Vietnam or not so sunny, maybe? <laughs> yeah, a little bit gray skies these days because it's the monsoon season. Um, but yeah, we're getting like, uh, you know, a few days a week, uh, some sunny days. So yeah, that's nice. I need to thank Derek because he is the one who alerted me of this uh, fantastic uh, TV series by Tencent Video of the three body problem. Uh, I knew that something like that was coming. As a matter of fact, I knew of the Netflix one, which is not airing yet. And I had heard very vaguely that also a Chinese series was in the works. But since uh, you told me, I have watched 12 episodes so far. You, know? uh, you have watched many more, I guess, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so excited about it when it came out. How many, got like... how many, how many did you watch? Uh, I'm on like episode 21. Oh, Something like that. Yeah, they like yeah. release them quite in advance for, you know, some I'm not, uh, I'm, stuff. I'm not paying for it. And so that I watch the three episodes that they release on the Tencent YouTube channel. But I found out that uh, they only make uh, four episodes per week, mm, free without paying. And uh, so I look uh, very much forward to watching the next one tomorrow. Then I'll be able to watch four in a row and then uh, three days of break and so on. I think uh, I have posted a schedule. And in fact, uh, if you look at my newsletter, turingchurch.com, you find uh, a review of the series and the book and also a schedule, which I found online and has been followed so far, so that according to the schedule, I will watch the last episode uh, in March. Mm, You're lucky because you'll uh, finish, I guess, in the first two weeks of February. But uh, how how do you like it? Okay, yeah, so I've heard of Three-Body Problem. I guess the trilogy of the books is called like, uh, what is it? Remnants of remembrance, the... uh, remembrance of the Earth's past. Right. But, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. The trilogy got a name only after uh, the third book was out, and I think everyone in China still calls it the Three Body, and here in the West we also call it Three Body. I have to make an effort to remember which is the, what is the correct name. But okay, it's three body. Now, the difference between the two shows is that this one, the Chinese one, is just called the three body, and the Netflix one will be called uh, three body problem. Yeah, that's interesting. So I like saw this came out. I was like really surprised. Like, oh wow, there's Chinese version. This is gonna be awesome. Um, so like I just had to watch it like right away. And so I watched uh, probably till like episode eight or something like that. And, and then I had to like pause and go read the book. Um, 
because I couldn't wait. I just had to know like what all the mysteries were about. Um, so I read the book and now I'm like watching the series. So the book, uh, the book is really fantastic. I mean, the series is good. It's well done. The music is good. The, the translation is good. The subtitles work well. Uh, I mean, watching it, uh, I had the impression of something very professionally done. But uh, of course, um, I think the book is better. The book is a masterpiece. Yeah. A TV series of 30 episodes is not meant to be an artistic masterpiece. For that, uh, I think you need a film, like, you know, the 2001, which to me is still the reference to which I compare every piece of science fiction that I read. That was a work of art, but, uh, you know, I realized that... Uh, Writers like Xixin Liu would uh, certainly write uh, science fiction masterpieces like uh, Three Body. And uh, what is good is to see that uh, Chinese filmmakers think they can, if they have to, they can convert uh, these literary masterpieces to really impressive works of art. So I'm uh, looking uh, very much forward to all uh, next uh, Chinese science fiction that I can read or watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read your like article on Turing Church. And isn't there another book written by another author that is after this trilogy in the same yes, universe? Yes, yes. It's called uh, Redemption of Time by a writer called Bao Shu. Uh, it's good. I mean, uh, it's not uh, the same kind of good as uh, the trilogy, but it's pretty good. Uh, very much the introduction where the author, um, you know, gave... Uh, the feeling of this excitement that was going on in the Chinese science fiction fan community about uh, the trilogy. It seems, um, it seems that every, uh, really everyone was reading it up to a massively enthusiastic level that uh, just don't happen in uh, the West for science fiction works today. You know, everyone was discussing it in online forum and writing fan fiction. Uh, that is that, you know, if this is a really massive phenomenon, and if, uh, as it uh, seems likely to happen, China will play a dominant part in the rest of the century for uh, science and technology development and space expansion, well, then I think the milieu of uh, science fiction fans in China is very fertile for that. I mean, so many young kids will read these books and watch these shows and uh, decide uh, to become scientists and engineers to play a role in that. That's something I think we have kind of lost here in the West. We had it in the 60s. We had it in the golden age of science fiction. But it seems that... Uh, Chinese have it now. Xi Xin Liu says that in uh, an essay published uh, in an anthology of uh, Chinese science fiction, uh, 
that these days uh, Chinese science fiction is living a moment that can be compared to the golden age of science fiction of Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov, uh, Van Vogt, uh, Heinlein, other uh, classic science fiction writers. And I think this is very important since I believe that uh, you know uh, culture lays downstream of uh, things that happen in science, in technology, but also in economy, in social studies, and space expansion. I think uh, you know I, I was already thinking that, but now I'm very much confirmed in my idea that. Uh, China is a place to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I have some ideas about that, but I'd like to, if it's okay, jump into the book uh, or the series. Um, so let's see, I took some notes and uh, maybe if it's okay, you could give like some brief like introduction about the story of uh, three body uh... do you want to give it or, sh or uh, uh, shall I I think maybe you could do a better job at that right. <laughs> so okay so the book starts with scenes um, in uh, 50 years ago in the cultural revolution of China I believe these initial scenes were removed from the Chinese version of the book because they are uh, very heavy in some places. They show the uh, yeah. uh, violence of the In the beginning of the book. So, yes. So it so happens that uh, one of the main characters, who is a girl, she must be like uh, 20 years old, something like that, is uh, very much uh, psychologically destroyed because her father, who is a physicist, is uh, killed by the Red Guards. And uh, we see many things happening to these girls. And at the end, she, well, at the end of the beginning, she is moved to a work camp in rural China. I even uh, want to look exactly where in China she was sent. And that would be in the northeastern corner of China, close to North Korea, is a mountain region. So that she uh, works at a forestry project. Then, uh, you know, other bad things happen to her. And eventually she is sent to a secret base. Uh, where they do military work and we don't yet know what work they do. It's a base on top of a mountain called Red Coast. Now, this part of the story ends and we jump to the present where um, a scientist is uh, called to participate in a secret uh, defense project. Uh, we found out uh, gradually that, uh, you know, the thing that is happening is that scientists all over the world are losing uh, faith and losing belief in science because, you know, uh, scientific experiment produce uh, unexpected and unexplainable results. And uh, at the end, 
some of the scientists kill themselves for that, including a young woman with whom the person who is now the main character falls in love, feels herself. He starts working in this project in collaboration with the person who is my favorite character in the book, with the noir policeman. Shi Kiang, I don't know if I pronounce yeah. it well, is a really delicious character. <laughs> so uh, things happen, uh, you know, um, the book is really sprawling. Of course, I cannot condense it all that uh, in a few minutes. And uh, even in the 30 mm-hmm. episodes of the series, there is no room to tell more than uh, 10% of what happens in the book. So what happens is that they start looking for uh, explanation on these things that happen. And uh, mm, they find that uh, many people related to these uh, mysterious things that are happening are playing uh, advanced virtual reality computer game called the Three Body. And uh, our main character starts playing this game. And, uh, you know, he finds uh, himself uh, in a fictional world. Think of a... Think of World of Warcraft. He finds mm-hmm. himself in something like World of Warcraft, where he has to complete a quest, which is... Uh, to find out why the day-night cycle in this universe is so different from ours. It happens that you know everything goes well as normal, the sun rises in the morning and the morning after, but at some point all that stops, the climate becomes freezing or too hot, there are... Uh, many suns in the sky and eventually the civilization on this fictional planet is always destroyed and has to start all over again. So at some point we understand that the problem of this uh, place that we still think of as fictional is that they live in a solar system with three suns and uh, they have to uh, fight against uh, the chaotic dynamics of a three-body system is actually even more complicated. It's a four-body system because there are three signs and one planet. Now, if you are into mathematics, like one of the secondary characters is, you know that uh, mm-hmm. this is, the, is a problem that uh, doesn't always have a solution. Sometimes uh, the orbits are chaotic, and uh, that's just it. There is no mm-hmm. way to predict what uh, will happen in the future. And so mm-hmm. this is the problem of this civilization. Mm. Here we are uh, more or less uh, at half the book. Mm. Now, the military and police operation uncovers... Uh, the plot against the science. 
And at some point, uh, many of the bad guys uh, are put in uh, prison. And now the story restarts in the Red Coast base, where this uh, Chinese girl was sent the Cultural Revolution. In the meantime, this uh, girl has become an astrophysicist. And she's actually the mother of uh, one of the young scientists who committed suicide. So that from her, we learn that um, the Red Coast base was actually a military project meant to establish establish uh, uh, communication with the extra, extraterrestrial civilization. And at some point, uh, she receives a message from Alpha Centauri, which, uh, mm, you know, is a three-star system. Uh, she had found a way to use the sun as an amplifier for electromagnetic radiation. So by uh, bouncing a reply on the sun, she managed to send a message back. Now, what is the content of the message? Um, no, 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 I was wrong. At this point, is still just a message to establish contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when the cultural revolution is subsidizing, and uh, she's almost free. Things are becoming normal again in China. She meets uh, a character who is uh, very much um, upset for things related to climate change and environmental destruction, and has lost faith in the ability of humanity to manage the Earth. So that uh, at some point, this guy inherits from his father and becomes a billionaire. Our mm. uh, girl tells him that she received a message from Alpha Centauri. Uh, and, the, the ex- and at some point in the exchange, she had been uh, warned not to reply because mm-hmm. replying would give up uh, the location of the Earth. You know, if you just know the direction from which a signal is scanning, you cannot say where it originated because, you know, there are uh, so many stars in the line of sight. But if you do reply, then they understand where uh, the message came from because, you know, there are four light years between uh, the Sun and Alpha Centauri. So if the message came back after eight years, Ah, yes. Uh, Yeah, that means it was sent from the solar system. So that they award her not to reply, but she does reply. So she thinks, okay, we are doing uh, a very bad job here on this planet. So it's better you come and take over. Of course, this billionaire guy very much uh, uh, agrees. And he has uh, the means to build another uh, receiver and transmitter on a boat and establish contact. And so this organization that wants to destroy human science to prepare the way for uh, the takeover of the three solarians 
his organization is born. Is born. Now, did you finish the book? Can I yes. give uh, spoilers? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Spoilers are cool. Go ahead. Okay, so we find out that um, a date point in their uh, cycle of destruction of a civilization and uh, arrival of the next one, the three Solarians have become much more scientifically advanced than us. And they have the technology to build a supercomputer within a proton, an elementary particle, Mm -hmm. is a real artificial intelligent supercomputer. This artificial intelligent supercomputer based on uh, uh, an elementary particle that follows quantum mechanics can use quantum entanglement to communicate mm. information faster than light. And these uh, only two intelligent protons that have been sent uh, to Earth are able to, uh, you know, interfere with the results that come back from scientific experiments to make scientists lose faith in science and so doing uh, blocking the advancement of science because these guys, these bad guys are afraid that uh, in the centuries that they will take to send the fleet to Earth, they are afraid that the human science could advance uh, fast and we could become uh, an enemy too powerful for them so what they want is to stop the progress of science so that now we know why all those things were happening and uh, we also know yeah. that uh, you know these people even if they're uh, starships uh, will take a few centuries to reach the Earth. They can monitor what happens on the Earth in real time. And they can interfere with things. And at some point, uh, you know, they are... Uh, they send a message to all the people involved saying that we are uh, like uh, bugs compared to them, yeah. of course. And it seems that there is uh, not really much that we can do. But uh, in the last scene, which is a very nice one, this uh, policeman, Shi Kiang, uh, takes some of the other people in a field from far from the city where there is an infestation of uh, locusts, I believe. And he say, look, these are bugs, but these... Uh, bugs are very powerful and we are not actually able to do anything against these bugs. So the idea is that, uh, you know, we can be intelligent bugs and do something against this uh, interstellar invasion that uh, is coming. And, uh, you know, what happens in... Uh, not going to tell you because you really need to read the second book. Yeah. By the way, I don't think the TV series will uh, go beyond the first book. Yeah, I have that suspicion as well. Yeah, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm about. Yeah. 
I'm, I read part one of uh, Dark Forest. Uh, so I'm getting into it. But yeah, I was thinking it might be hard to do like season two hmm. of that. It's a going, it's a, it would be a technical challenge. I have to mm-hmm. use uh, special effects, but you know, they can, uh, they can do special effects. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, the, um, I mean, I guess this uh, series will stop at the end of the first book. Just and the first maybe book, yeah. in one, Maybe in one or two years, we'll have the second one. Ah, and then so one, and that's going to be fantastic. You know, I'm going to, yeah. when I have finished watching this one, I will be waiting for the next one and then for the next one. That's really great science fiction. And, uh, you know, I believe what the world needs now at this moment is great science fiction. Something that uh, really inspired the people to think big. Inspire especially the young to think big, to do big things, to study science so they can be part of it. I think it's important. I'd like to see it happening in the West as well. But, uh, you know, if the choice is uh, China or nothing, I'm very much. Right. Afraid. Yeah, I'm very much. Afraid. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you definitely. Um kind of gave a summary of the story of the book and the series, like, very well. Um, and so... No, whoever uh, is listening, you must, uh, you must really read the book. It's one of the masterpieces oh, of today's science fiction. Yeah, it, it's, it's... I felt it was very, um, like, simple and straightforward in the storytelling, um, but also um, the kind of conversations about physics and the complexity around that for me was very engaging um and so yeah that was great and you know the physics is good i mean there are uh, very wild uh, very wild speculations and extrapolations of course but uh, you know the author he's uh, he's an engineer and I think he has done a lot of reading in uh, today's uh, physics. You know, there are uh, speculations and extrapolations, but good ones. Now, if you're reading the second book, um, I'm not going to give spoilers, but yeah. uh, he imagines one technology for... Uh, interstellar propulsion at light speed that is very much like things that are being uh, studied by theoretical physicists right now cool yeah so okay so i took some notes um and um let's see just one moment okay so yang yang dong is the daughter of like ye wenji like one of the main characters in the beginning and in her kind of suicide note she says that like physics doesn't exist and this is one of the kind of powerful thoughts uh in the book and so the main character, his name is Wang Miao, 
um, or yeah, something like that. He's he works in nanotech, um, and you know he gets kind of like recruited by the task force who's investigating all these like strange uh, deaths of all these scientists like around the world, and so he goes to. Yang Dong's like boyfriend or fiance. His name is like uh, Ding Yi, and he's kind of he's at home and he's uh, maybe a little bit drunk or hungover or something like that. And they start playing a game of billiards, a pool. And so uh, Ding Yi uses like this kind of um, like uh, comparison between playing billiards and pool they start playing kind of pool and they move the pool table around his apartment and it's his way of trying to explain this idea of that physics doesn't exist like you shot the ball so many times they did the same thing even though we moved the pool table all around the room but what if it had different results each time so what do you think about this idea in the story this kind of very a troubling, disturbing idea that a lot of the scientists were experiencing that physics maybe doesn't exist or wasn't what they thought it was. And also this kind of maybe part in the book about the the pool table and the billiards and using it as an example or metaphor or something, comparison. It's a nice nice metaphor because, of course, if you cannot predict what will happen on the pool table, then there is no point in playing pool. And also, if right. uh, what happened depends on the orientation of the pool or the position in the room and all that, then again, it will, uh, we would not understand physics well enough to play pool. And which you know, is a, a basic application of uh, everyday physics. And so that uh, Yang Dong says that uh, physics does not exist. Now, uh, Mm, yeah, and I say I wouldn't have had the same reaction in their place. I would have thought uh, just that uh, here there is something that we don't understand, and mm-hmm. uh, we must find a way to understand it. Uh, that would be a position very close to that uh, suggested by the policeman, who says that you know if something is too weird. That means that is uh, something behind that with a malicious intent. Thing is that there are right. many things that we do not understand now. Perhaps the well, the, one example that is often given is that when you compute what should be the energy density of empty space. Uh, using mm-hmm. uh, quantum field theory, which is the best theory we have at this moment, we get an answer that is 120 orders of magnitude. That would be one mm-hmm. followed by 120 zeros, different <laughs> from uh, its measured value. So yes, there are definitely things that we do not understand. <laughs> There yeah. are things that we are not even beginning to understand. And, you know, the basic uh, feature of quantum physics, which is more than 100 years old, are still as 
weird and mysterious as they appeared uh, at the beginning of the last century. But, uh, you know, our reaction is not to say physics doesn't exist. Our reaction is to say we don't right. understand physics yet and let's try and understand it better. So that I don't think that would have been my reaction. Uh, by the way, this uh, physicist, Ding Yi, the boyfriend of Yang Dong, is the main uh, character of another book by Xixin Liu, a very highly recommendable one called Ball Lightning. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice one. It's much shorter than the trilogy, but it's a good book. Cool. It was written, nice. uh, it was written before the trilogy. And in fact, at some point in uh, Three Body Problem, they say something about uh, why this character was an important scientist. And uh, they say something about the content of that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. My kind of feeling or impression reading um, this thought that physics doesn't exist and that a lot of scientists were so disturbed that they were dying or committing suicide or something like that. Yeah, that was very engaging because I think that um, maybe a kind of idea that a lot of people have um, today is that, well, you know, scientists are people of like science and uh, kind of um, they're very rational and they're kind of thinking based on uh, more objectively and for them to be so disturbed by something going on that they yeah. would go to like that extent of harming themselves. Uh, well, then what does that mean for everybody else? Uh, when a lot of people cannot, or they have trouble learning the concepts of physics and, you know, a lot of the things about science itself. Um, yeah, that was interesting. Well, uh, so, you know, another mm-hmm. point is that, um, you know, if uh, a scientist had to commit suicide because uh, we don't understand science, then I believe <laughs> most scientists should commit suicide right now because, as a matter of fact, we are still very, very far from uh, <laughs> the ultimate uh, understanding of science. Now, my own theory is that we will never understand everything, not a, not on the same day. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, think of something as simple as counting. You count one, two, three, and so on. You can count up to any number you want. Uh, so you can count up to every number you want, but when you have counted up to that number, you also know that there are... Uh, infinitely more numbers beyond that and so that uh, the process of counting never stops and uh, I think it's the same for science mm, and we will uh, always know more than we knew ne- more than we knew last year but we will never know everything at, uh, on the same day I recently came across a very nice quote by Isaac Asimov, science fiction writer, uh, right after the mathematical discovery of fractals, 
I think. And he said that, you know, these things is really like a factor. We can, uh, we think that we have uncovered uh, 99% of the picture, but that mm. remaining 1% is uh, at least as uh, complex as what came before. Mm -hmm. And then in the 100 of that, will be as complex and 100 of that will be expompy is a fractal process that never ends. And if you look yeah. at the, if you look at the Mandelbrot set, you know that you know you can zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and zoom in, you always find something new. So you can never say that you have uh, the complete picture. And I actually think that's exactly what will happen to science. We will know more and more and more and more, but never everything on the same day. There is nothing yeah. that science cannot understand, but that does not mean that we can understand everything at the same time. There is going mm -hmm. always to be something left to understand. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah, and that's uh, beautiful and part of the joy of it, um, part of the joy of the experience of doing it. Um, so... Next, like I'm thinking about one of the main characters, uh, Wang Miao. So he's in nanotech. And so in the story, he starts like taking uh, some photographs and he starts seeing the countdown uh, in the photos. And so he's like, what's wrong with my camera? And he wants to figure that out. And then eventually he starts seeing the countdown uh, visually, kind of like in his field of vision. Um, this was like a really engaging part of the story because it was like, wow, what's going on? You know, why does he see this countdown? Um, you know, and what is it counting down to, right? What's going to happen at the end of the countdown? Uh, is it going to be the destruction of of the world or are aliens coming or what is going to happen and so I thought this was um very like uh interesting and unsettling because usually if people say they are you know seeing something that others cannot see they're labeled as having like some kind of you know I don't know delusions or something like that um, you know, but we think that if he was seeing this countdown, then wow, maybe some of the other scientists were seeing it as well, and other people are seeing it as well. So what does that mean? So I really liked this uh, part of the story. Uh, do you have any thoughts about, I don't know, something about this? Well, well um, first, the, there is a scientific explanation for the countdown. In fact, as we learn in the last part of the book, and I guess of the show as well, is all the doing of these uh, intelligent uh, protons that the mm -hmm. aliens have sent to Earth. They superimpose uh, visual signals on uh, the film in his camera and his uh, eyes uh, at some point. Uh, they even... Uh, simulate a flickering of the cosmic microwave background radiation. So that there is a perfectly good scientific explanation. 
at the end of the book, we know what the explanation right. is. Now, um, as you say, yes, there are uh, some people who say that they hear and they see things that other people do not see. And we usually impute this to mental delusion. But I think an essentially believable story like Three Body should open our mind to the possibility that, you know, perhaps uh, it's not delusion or perhaps it's not only delusion. Perhaps there are people who are able to perceive things that most other people cannot perceive. And uh, I'm totally open to that possibility. And I think it will eventually have a scientific explanation. Remember, every specific thing will eventually find a scientific explanation, I think. But this does not mean that we are anywhere close to understanding the explanation now. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all yeah, this, I agree all, with that. All these people who hear voices and see things and see ghosts and communicate with the dead and all that. But, mm, I do think that 99% of that is delusion indeed. But I also believe that uh, studying the other 1%, one day, sooner or later, perhaps more later than sooner, we will uh, find things that will revolutionize our understanding of the universe. Mm -hmm. I'm very much yeah. in favor of uh, what they call paranormal research. Yeah, I was like thinking down the same like stream of thought and I was even like asking like chat GPT, like what would the experience be like if uh, some alien civilization was communicating with a human across space and time? What would the sensations be like? And that's kind of a nice question to ask, like Chat GPT, because what did uh, uh, what did Chat GPT say? It said that like um, it's hard to know because like some aliens in another place they may have different biology or they may communicate differently, so there may be some kind of translation issue. So the way they think and the way they feel and the way they sense. Um, and the way they communicate to one another may be different than the way we do. So we don't know what that subjective experience would exactly be like. Uh, and it's hard to tell what that would be like. It might be different from one person to another person, uh, the experience of something like that. But they said, of course, this is just hypothetical and found in a lot of sci-fi books. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it is. And that's kind of nice because, you know, you can ask questions to chat GBT that maybe uh, are a little bit out there too. Um, yeah, I have been um, playing a lot with chat GBT. But um, it is impressive. But, uh, you know, if you really analyze the conversation, um, mm. it remains impressive. But uh, you wouldn't think of Chat GPT as a very deep thinker, right? And of yeah. course, and of course, not an original one. Yeah, that's very true.
Okay. So the next character that's interesting. So this is uh, Ye Wenji. I, I don't know the pronunci- uh, pronunciation of her name, but something like that. So I this think, is uh, the... uh, they say in the show Wenji. Yeah, Wenji, something like okay. that. Okay. So yeah, she's the character in the beginning that goes to Red Coast Base and starts working there. Um, and so... Uh, some of the elements of the story that I thought was fascinating was how she amplified the signal through like, yeah, as you said, bouncing it off of the sun. And that like, I think eight years later, she got a response from the people called the Trisolarians, which is the aliens, the alien civilization there. And that um, the person uh, who responded to her first, I said, like, I'm a pacifist. It's great that I received the message, but like, don't communicate with us like anymore because like, they're going to come to you and like, maybe do some bad stuff, right? Uh, invade earth or something like that. Um, but then she just like immediately, right. Just like transmit the signal, like, okay, like, um, you know, humans are pretty much like on a path that's going to destroy the earth. You know, there's a lot of political turmoil going on. There's uh, nuclear weapons. And from her experience, and as you said, like her, like uh, maybe her father's experience or something like that, uh, she would think that uh, this is really bad situation. So, better just the Trisolarans, this alien civilization come here and maybe they can manage the earth uh, better than the humans can, or, or at least like there's some other conscious beings out there that can take care of the world, take care of the environment better than we are now. So this was a very interesting kind of like criticism of like humanity or some thoughts about humanity. And it was a very uh, engaging that just like, like one person in the story made such a huge decision for all of humanity by replying to that message. Uh, so what are, your, what are your thoughts about, you know, this character, her actions, and some of those ideas? Well, even just, she's probably my second uh, favorite. Oh, I love her. She's great. Uh, you know, the thing is that um, you know, what I want to say reminds me of something that someone said in one of the Batman movies, which is uh, very deep, which is that some people, they just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. And that's exactly the case of uh, Avenging. Mm, it's not my case, of course, but I can understand that, uh, you know, Some people are so unhappy, either for things that happened directly to them or uh, for uh, just uh, what they see happening in the world, that at some point uh, they think that any change is good. I mean, anything better than this. And so that, you know, for her, even knowing that uh, something bad 
can result from the interaction between humans and trees alliance. She knows it because she, ha she has received the warning. Mm -hmm. This uh, alien, uh, he tells her, uh, well, you know, just uh, shut up, don't reply, because otherwise our civilization will come and invade the earth and destroy your civilization. I mean, you get to a point uh, where uh, you know, everything is better than what you have now. And since that can happen to everyone, and don't forget that uh, Ye Wenji is a very nice person, mm -hmm. basically, then, yeah. you know, mm, this, can this can happen to everyone. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, the story reminds you of is that uh, depending on the circumstances, everyone can be in a position to do something that is extremely destructive for everything else. Everyone can destroy the world. Yeah. That's uh, more and more actual today with all these uh, technical progress in, for example, bioengineering, genetics, nanotech that will come artificial intelligence, all that. So, uh, you know, since uh, everyone can find themselves in a situation when they can do a lot of damage, mm -hmm. and since uh, unhappy people, sometimes what they want to do is damage, that I think just means that we should find ways uh, to make uh, uh, many people, to make people less unhappy. Because if Yevng had not been so severely traumatized right. by what happened to her, perhaps she would have made another decision then. Yeah, and one of the reasons for the this like implementation of the Red Coast base is because of technological development and you know, the authority or the government at that time wanting to compete uh, with other countries, right? So they talk about the, like, the gradual progression of technology, or they talk about big advances in, like, physics, such as, like, creating, uh, like, the nuclear bomb or something, that that can be the development or technology. And then they're kind of, like, third idea is that, or we could, like, contact like aliens and uh, get some technology from them. And that would give us a superior advantage over all the other countries on earth. So that is one of their kind of, you know, agendas for even having this kind of program there. Yes, it is. So, yeah. I don't know. Okay, uh... Right. You know, I don't really rule out that uh, similar uh, programs could be underway in the China, oh, sure. but also US, uh, Russia, and all that. And for all we know, uh, oh, sure. they might At least already it's considered. Be, yeah, they, you know, for all we know, they might be already in communication with uh, mm -hmm. something out there. Which right. I don't, I don't right. think so. But... Uh, it's not a possibility that we can entirely rule out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, 
I mean, I'm not very much into conspiracy theories because you know, I think something so big yeah. would be impossible to keep uh, to keep a secret. Mm-hmm. One person would say something to someone else, and uh, the story would be revealed in a very short time. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Right. Anyway. Right, and even in in the book in the story, she ends up like kind of murdering two people to keep it quiet, you know, right. which uh, says something about her. Um, yeah. yeah. So, okay, cool. So um, I would like to talk about the three-body game, uh, the virtual reality game. So this is one of the most awesome parts of the book. And I thought it was like very interesting to see it visualized in the series because uh, in the in the in the three body game, I was wondering mm-hmm. how they would visualize it. Ended. Yeah, yeah. So, what did you think about the vis- visualizations? Uh, so, or the representations from the book in the series? And so, just to explain the game a little bit. So, when a player enters the game, they play the game. They're trying to solve this physics. Um, you know, huge problem of these, um, the suns that are like mm, interacting with the planet. And as you said, um, creating these cycles of, of like a stable era or chaotic era. And so the, the Trisolarans are in the game kind of represented by humans want to be able to predict this so they can... I don't know, develop their civilization according to a calendar. They want to figure out a calendar, right? Um, so what do you think about all these different like ways they're trying to solve this problem with different calendars, with computers? Uh, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Uh, well, first, uh, coming back to the description of the game, I mean, it's not like uh, you log in the game and you receive an explicit uh, quest that, you know, you have to find out this and that. It's more subtle than that. You know, the players, uh, they find what the objective of the game is by interacting with others. Mm -hmm. Ah, let me stop one moment. Mm -hmm. What about the picture of the technology that he used to access... uh, Body. I like that very much in the series because it's quite believable. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the story is set in 2000, in the first decade of this century. And we were already talking about that kind of virtual reality 15 years ago. Things that you have uh, a headset, like, uh, mm. the, like uh, the Oculus today. Then uh, you have hand uh, gears to touch things, and then uh, you are uh, in a body harness with cables and things that you know communicate uh, to the game what you're doing with your body. That part is quite well done in the series, yeah. And uh, so that the game looks like uh, well, something that uh, we could do today if uh, someone were willing to spend a lot of money on it, which is Mm -hmm. actually the case. Uh, Now, in the game, 
you find yourself in different uh, historic periods and let's and uh, let's not forget that uh, as you said they're using human history to simulate some aspects of uh, the mm -hmm. history of the tree solarians we never learned what the tree solarians look like not in the first book mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, not even in the following books. We are not given very many information, but, uh, you know, they are representing by human beings that are also iconic uh, historic yes. characters. You find that we find many Chinese uh, historic figures and also mm -hmm. Western like uh, Einstein, von Neumann, uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was very and, interesting. Uh, yeah, and they go through a progression. First, uh, they want to use magic. That would be um, a not uh, very developed civilization. Then they advance uh, to something uh, comparable to our steam age, and uh, they want to use uh, some kind of uh, mechanical computers. They built, mm -hmm. we have seen that in the show, a model of what they think the universe could uh, be like. And they want to use mm -hmm. this huge model to find out uh, what the three suns are doing. Then they use computers. And this idea of uh, the people computer. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite good that uh, using uh, people like uh, elementary logic gates. It was a good idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is uh, about this that we are giving uh, some information about the physiology of the three solarians. It seems that, you know, they can... Uh, first, uh, they communicate by optics. Yeah. And their uh, thoughts are displayed on their body. And everyone can see it. This is going to be um, they have trouble lying. Let's just say uh, that. Yeah, but I don't know if we should say this now because uh, mm, you have read only the first book. Okay. You need to find things out. So yes, uh, the way they communicate makes it very difficult for them to deceive. Yeah. But, you know, that would be too much spoilers for uh, the canon books. But, you know, they can communicate uh, at a speed much faster than ours. And that is what enables the people computer. At the, oh, end, yes. at the end, they learned that, uh, you know, they build uh, electronic computers like ours and... Uh, Matter of fact, their technology, it's uh, the last we know of the three solarians. They have already reached a level of technological advancement much higher than ours. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so was it realistic um, in the book, the, the physics in the game? Uh, what do you think of the like visual depiction in the series? The mechanics of uh, how the game is uh, played was uh, is quite realistic indeed. 
what happens within the game world. And, uh, the term realistic doesn't really apply because you can, uh, <laughs> I mean, in a uh, in a virtual world, you can put everything. You yeah. can put out physics, but also different one. You can have magic and all that. So that, um, you know, since uh, the Maybe spirit, accurate? Mm-hmm. Accurately reflects the novel, which mm-hmm. uh, is quite uh, an impressive work of imagination. Because, you know, they do simulate different historic eras. Mm. They do find ways to represent uh, visually what the development of the three solar and civilization could have been like. Sure. Yeah, and this is really interesting to think about because, you know, if we think about, you know, history over the past, like, 10,000, 11,000 years. Um, yeah, we don't know too much before that about, you know, human civilization. Um, but, you know, it seems this kind of the idea of a stable era where, you know, like civilization has a chance to develop, you know, because of the um, environment is, very, is you know, consistent. Uh this is an interesting idea, and we see that throughout history, uh, and then also a chaotic era where, you know, in, in the game, like, there's, like, it's either very hot or very cold, and they have to dehydrate, and they can't develop uh, civilization during this time because their, like, planet and world is being destroyed, and we also see in, like, human uh, civilization, you know, things like maybe um, some like, I don't know, some kind of meteors or asteroids or something uh, uh, hitting the earth and, and wiping out different species or different maybe um, catastrophic events that led to, um, you know, the destruction of, of certain human civilizations around the earth. So I thought this was like just very interesting to think about. Uh, Definitely. But in fact, yeah. Um, Let's uh, uh, go back to what happens in the game because I had forgotten mm-hmm. to mention one uh, very important last point, which is related to the mathematics of uh, mm-hmm. uh, three-body problems in physics. So they want to be able to predict the movement of the three suns. First mm-hmm. with magic, then with mechanical models, then with uh, people computers, then with electronic computers. But at some point, they understand what we understand now, that the, a three-body system is a very strongly chaotic system that uh, doesn't really have a finite solution. Mm, what does that mean? It mm-hmm. means that uh, that's a general definition of a chaotic system is that something that is so strongly dependent on small variations in initial conditions that uh, an arbitrarily small change in initial condition can and does create a very big change. And uh, it means that no matter how precisely we know 
that uh, you know at this moment in time this planet will uh, this body was here and this other body was there no matter how precisely we know that there is always the possibility that all of a sudden things start to evolve in a completely different way than uh, from our predictions that's uh, Let's read the definition of a chaotic system. And there is nothing to do. Of course, we cannot know uh, anything with infinite precisions. Right. If the initial condition is a real number, if we know the first billion digits of this number, we still don't know uh, the digits after that. And that yes. can make all the difference in the world. So that is, uh, you know, they like to say that the chaos is deterministic. They like to speak of deterministic chaos. And yes, it is deterministic in one sense of the word, but it is not deterministic in the sense that every unexpected things can happen all of a sudden that we are not able to predict in advance. That's what Like in the book, they problem. talk about the, the turkey and the farmer. Uh, right. This is not exactly the same metaphor, but it's also applicable in the sense that, you know, the turkeys, you know, they observe irregularity, that this guy comes and feeds them every day at that time of the day. But, you know, for all they know, mm, the regularity does not have to go on forever. And in fact, one day the farmer uh, comes and kills all the turkeys. In, in fact, it's uh, exactly the same metaphor because, you know, a system that is chaotic can evolve very predictably for a long time. And you think, oh, okay, it's very easy. I know how the system will evolve, but all of a sudden, boom, it changes and that's something completely different. There are some uh, nice uh, pieces of uh, graphics on the internet. But you see a system that, you know, it seems that it's doing exactly the same thing, but at some point it changes its mind. You have the impression that uh, the system really changed its mind at that point and started to do something entirely different from what it was doing before, regulated by different mathematics. But as a matter of fact, no. Mathematics was always the same, but uh, mm. at that point the system reached what is called the bifurcation, where uh, you know mm. can take one of many possible paths, and that's uh, more uh, the rule than uh, the exception in physical systems. As a matter of fact, uh, most interesting physical systems are chaotic. So the trisolarians, once they understand that. Uh, the three-body problem doesn't have a solution. It is at that point that they, okay, so the only way for us to ensure that our civilization survives is to move somewhere else. Uh, Now, as a matter of fact, if you think of our own situation here, even if uh, our environment is not as strongly chaotic as the mm-hmm. one of the three solarians, 
we still have chaotic things that can happen here on the earth. Like, you know, uh, think of the pandemic. Right. Think of the war. I uh, think I recommended this uh, very good book uh, when you talk last time called The Primacy of Doubt by Tim Palmer. Otherwise, look for it on my website. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's a main example like this, you know, uh, pandemics, wars, uh, and so they're essentially unpredictable things. I mean, we can do all that we like to predict these things better and better. But mm -hmm. the fact remains that the next pandemic could arrive anytime and be much more severe than the COVID one. And the next war could also happen anytime. Mm -hmm. be again, much more severe than what we are seeing now in Ukraine. Uh, on top of that, you know, even if we observe all the incoming asteroids uh, to make sure that uh, to at least to know if a big asteroid will impact the Earth. I mean, we observe, but we could always miss one. And sure. uh, at the end of the day, you know, if the asteroid is really big, perhaps we would be even better off not knowing because there is not there is nothing <laughs> we can do anyway. I mean, if yeah. right now we know that a very big asteroid will impact the Earth next year and destroy civilization, there is probably nothing that we can do. So aren't we exactly in the same situation of the three solarans? I think so. Yeah. We can and we should and we must do all we can do to ensure our survival here on this planet. But at the end of the day, the only long-term insurance uh, policy that we can have is becoming a multiplanetary species. You know, if we are both on the Earth, on Mars, I mean, the asteroid is not going to hit both. Huh? Yeah. And if there is a very severe virus outbreak on one, the, uh, it can be contained in the other. So, you know, we must start spreading out. Just like the two solarans. And uh, I think ultimately that's uh, a very powerful argument in favor of uh, space expansion. We are doing, we are taking some very little steps now. But, you know, uh, it is these little steps that will enable bigger steps in the future and then even bigger steps. So that uh, every single advancement in space technology is something uh, that is uh, advancing in the good direction. Yeah, definitely. Um, how are we for time? Uh, let's uh, keep on for five or ten more minutes. Okay, I still have some more things to talk about. Um, okay, so... Okay. Um, so what do you think about the Trisolarans and their decision to, uh, you know, come in a fleet to earth like even though it's going to take like over 400 years what do you think about their decision to do that in the book 
you know, they say like, well, you know, probably we've like, you know, destroyed some other beings and some in some very small scales of in some other dimensions. So, you know, this kind of happens. And uh, this is, you know, part of like existence. So, you know, you know, let's get out of our chaotic system because this is just going to keep happening and one day we're all going to be destroyed. So let's, you know, go to earth, um, you know, where it's stable. And then they create the, the SOFON, which is uh, the, the, like, the proton technology, this kind of AI like computer onto these protons. And then they are, you know, pretty much like spying on uh, every or, you know, certain individuals gathering information and communicating with certain people that support the trisolarians. This was a little creepy because I think um, sometimes, you know, people get paranoid um, when people have some communication abilities that are more advanced. Um, you know, like even if you look back through human history, you know, there was um, periods of time where only certain people were able to like read or write and many places where a lot of the population couldn't. So, of course, these, you know, maybe groups of people that could read and write looked um, like they were doing some magic or something like that. Um, and so when a Sophon uh, is able to almost be anywhere and kind of um, observe anything at any time, um, yeah, that, that's... Uh, definitely the in the book they get a little paranoid about that um yeah except it cannot read thoughts um so this is kind of important point about it so what do you think about you know the trisolarians their decision to do this the sofon well you know first uh, um well um Let's stay on the technical side first. first it's very important that uh, at least uh, in the first book, uh, the soul phones are only two. So that, mm -hmm. you know, that they can see a lot, but they cannot see everything. Because, in fact, otherwise, uh, you know... The and thing they target that, Wang Miao. Yes. Uh, mm, you know, one thing that I asked myself is why don't the soul phones know how the humans intend to capture the boat of Mike Evans. Mm -hmm. And uh, why don't they just know and alert the people on the boat? Because cell phone technology could do all that easy. They just make uh, a text message flicker on the AI. And the answer I gave myself is that, uh, you know, they didn't happen to be listening to that specific conversation. Even if... Uh, this answer is not very strong because that was, uh, you know, really what they were supposed to be watching. So I think that was an oversight. Now, the fact that they, that they are not able to read thoughts, it's uh, very much central to the overall uh, uh, narrative, especially of the second book. I'm not going to say why. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you think of it, uh, 
And if the sulfons can do all that, why shouldn't they be able to read thoughts? Because, you know, uh, what is a thought? Um, as far as we can tell, thought is uh, chemical and uh, electromagnetic phenomena that go on in the brain. So why shouldn't the sulfons be able to first acquire all the chemical and electromagnetic information and then analyze and decode the information to read thoughts. As a matter of fact, in the fourth book of the trilogy, the fan fiction one, that's exactly what the three solarans do. They, you know, uh, decode the thoughts in the human brain on the fly. So why shouldn't they be able to do it now? Mm, I mean, they don't have to be able to read thoughts because, uh, you know, the things that happen in the second book are very much centered on the fact that Trisolarum cannot read thoughts. But uh, why not? Uh, technically, I think there must be some limitations in resolution or uh, processing, analysis, and all that. But, uh, that was one of the things that I was wondering. Now, uh, concerning the three solarans as a civilization, you know. Um, they are the bad guy in the story, but uh, it usually happens in our human stories as well. The bad guy has his own reasons that make uh, perfect sense to him. Mm -hmm. Their society is very much authoritarian, very much militarized, and all that is a very bad society. But at some point, one of their uh, politicians say, well, look, uh, we have uh, tried other things. We have tried democracy, we have tried the enlightened society and all that, but we have found out experimentally that this kind of social organization is the only one that lets us uh, survive our extreme environment. Mm. And uh, that is a good point. From their mm -hmm. point of view, then you know they yeah. want uh, to come here, wiping an entire civilization, which is ours. And that again, uh, I mean, from uh, their own point of view, if is the only thing that they can do, it's very right. difficult to consider that as morally wrong. I mean, if that's the right. only thing that you can do to stay alive, then it is the only thing that you can do to stay alive. Now, uh, of course, uh, in the same situation, I like to think that we would study all other uh, thinkable options first. Maybe they could uh, establish themselves on another planet in the solar system and uh, terraform the planet. Maybe they could ask for our help to do that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I think we would go over all these other options first. 
before taking an extreme actions like wiping out another civilization. Now, if there are no other thinkable options, then, uh, you know, we are in the dark forest scenario of the second book. Yeah. With, uh, which uh, has uh, some uh, extreme consequences for what we could call galactic sociology. But, uh, we are not going to go into details of that now because that would be too much of a spoiler. Uh, but you know, my advice to everyone who is listening is read all three books. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, it was really good conversation about these stories today, the book, the series. Um, I'm definitely going to continue reading. Um, yeah, I'm partially through uh, Dark Forest now. I'm going to continue and I'm super excited and definitely looking forward to like discussing it more with you, these books, and also continue watching the series. I'm like super excited about the like Chinese version. As you said, I'm not so sure about the next, the Netflix version, uh, what that will be like, but I mean, this story is super engaging and um the scale is very like um, broad. Uh, the timeline is very broad and seeing all the relationships of the people, how it affects the individual characters, uh, how, you know, they think about it, how they cope with the situation, how it affects their families, like in Wang Miao, for example, um, how it affects, you know, the different nations uh, and, how they have to make certain decisions about how to address the, like the, the threat from an alien civilization. This is very interesting. And then what their plans are maybe uh, for the solar system or even further out, I'm not sure. I'm still reading about that, but that's all very interesting to think about. And we have like certain problems on earth, like, you know, in this reality right now, uh, like pandemics or global warming or a certain, you know, problems. Um, definitely, like, things need to improve. But in reading this book, I thought, like, at least we don't have, you know, an alien civilization coming to, like, wipe us out. Um, and, how, and, so, how, and how do you know that? I hope so. <laughs> but definitely this book is sometimes very scary. But um, yeah, it's very engaging, and yeah, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, no, I'm um, you know I'm more I'm more motivated by imagination than by fear. Mm. So there's no point in being afraid of things. Very bad things can happen to anyone anytime. So it's not uh, very productive to think about that. I prefer to read three body. Mm, as uh, a masterpiece of imagination on, uh, you know, life in the universe at large and all things that can happen in a future that, you know, one way or another is going to be a very interesting one. Okay, let's uh, talk again of these things uh, when uh, the series is finished. So we know the sounds great.
Great. I'm going to stop the recording now. And uh, oh. thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, thank you.